The single lady DJ. We're missing Mel today. Mel messaged us an hour ago and said, can't make it through up. <laughs> that was it. That was it. So, She's like, it. sorry, guys, it's not going to happen today. <laughs> we were just like, okay, on with the show. <laughs> yeah. Poor Mel. She's always having issues. I mean, I she just got... She just got back on the horse. I know. With, like, she being just able to got in her she, office. Maybe that's why she threw up. She was like, "I don't want to do this shit again." So, well, we're coming in. It is um, what's today? Wednesday. But uh, real, you're gonna hear this on a Monday. We just had Blackout Tuesday, and so we just wanted to discuss real quick, how, just to to tell you guys that you know we're here. And we love you guys. And, you know, if you didn't know before that um, Alex Riley, Mel and I, and Tessa Bailey, that we support Black Lives Matter, um, we just want to make that clear and, you know, say that now for everyone to hear that that's, you know, a, a really big part of how we launch this podcast as well is just to make sure that um, authors of color were heard and um, that their voices were lifted up as well. And we hope that we continue to do that. And um, we may make mistakes along the way, um, but just please know that our hearts are in the right place and we uh, we support this cause and anything you can do to help, whether it's donate um, your money, your time, your shoulder to cry on, like, you know, whatever you've got, um, please give and please help all that you can. And um, I think, Tessa, you had some tips maybe? Yeah, well, I think we're all kind of realizing what we were talking about before is that before we started recording is that we're kind of like in a place, a lot of, so basically what we're saying with, we love you. We're talking to our black listeners. We're like, yeah. we, we see you, we hear you and we know what you're going through. We can never understand it. And like in a, not in a million years, could we understand it? And it's, I just, I mean, like just the pain that you are going through is probably immeasurable. And we like, uh, you know, as white people, uh, think we're, you know, maybe we think we're, we're being really good allies sometimes. And then we find out like, as I, you know, I did. And then I kind of listening, like just the amplification of the, of black voices this week, um, which is a great thing, uh, made me realize like I was just so far behind and I wasn't as maybe paying close attention as I should have been. So anyways, yeah, just like Leah said, you know, when we started this podcast, it was our intention to make sure we lifted up voices and we're going to continue to do that. And we do support Black Lives Matter. And, you know, uh, I can't even imagine like what it feels like to get pushed to the breaking point that um, people are at right now. So we, uh, I think some good charities to, I've, I uh, donated to, um, the bail fund, national bailout fund. They help keep activists who are protesting and peacefully and getting arrested out of jail. A fair fight is another one that helps voter suppression. Go to the Black Lives Matter platform and look at it and their links. You can donate to causes that are helping. We, we support all of them. So that's what we wanted to say about it. You know, I think it's when we when we started before we started recording, yeah. I'm like, let's talk about this, but let's not make it about us. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, for I, sure. So I just wanted, yeah, we said what we wanted to say. Um, 
it's really important to support these causes and um, and to just make it clear that you know this is this is a cause that we support and you know if there's whatever we can do to help that's what we want to do we just want to you know just let it be known so we're yes. saying but you know we also want to talk about all other fun stuff that's going on this week and you know maybe put a smile on your face if it's been a difficult week for you so I just want to come in and say I'm excited that it's crop top season. I don't know if uh, anybody else is feeling that weather right now, but it's 91 fucking degrees in my outside in my yard right now. So it's crop top season, ladies. Let the bellies out. Do you wear crop tops? I have never worn a crop top. Why? I don't know. But I, I do like this look of like the high-waisted pants and the crop tops. Like mm-hmm. I, I do really gravitate towards that like when would, i see it on people but you just wear like the high-waisted pants with like a shirt or something you don't go no i just never i don't wear high-waisted pants but i would i do like that look of like the top kind of like right under yeah. your breast mm-hmm. breast there's like two inches of skin yeah high-waisted pants i think that's so sexy on a woman like would you wear that why wouldn't you wear that i don't know i give it a try i just like need to to like just take the leap i guess i don't know go for it i have a pair of um i have several pairs of jeans from torrid that are like button up super high-waisted i think we've even talked about this before i tried the good american jeans like the chloe kardashian ones because they're supposed to be like ultra high-rise like really thick jeans that are like that cinch you in I don't know who the fuck these are made for. These people have huge asses. And, like, although it fit, like, in the waist for me and in the the ass, my thighs could, like, I could hardly walk in them. They were so tight in the thighs. So, I guess, like, the ladies that this is designed for have no thighs. I I don't know what body type this is with huge asses, small waist, and skinny legs. What is that? That is natural? the style. That is the style right now. But I think it's only achievable with like <laughs> <The> augmentation. <laughs> augmentation. Hey, I'm all for plastic surgery. I'm all for it. I mean, like, there are definitely people born it, with big butts and small, like smaller other parts of their body. Like they're just blessed. Yeah. But I, I do think it's a lot of like it seems just because I'm looking at like bar videos and um, kickboxing <laughs> videos. And yeah. it seems like there's a lot of workouts that are geared towards making your butt like big and juicy <laughs> and then making everything else like very toned and tight. And it's like, that's so hard. Wow. No, my thighs are super thick, but I found a pair on tour and I have a couple pair of like uh, shorts that are high-waisted button up and I really like that I love a high-waisted denim short with a crop top I think that's so freaking cute that's my summer go-to outfit because right now it's fucking sweltering outside I love uh I love long what's your pants. summer what's summer Tessa look like well I mean uh, summer Tessa is goes from I'm either inside working in leggings and I'm mm-hmm. on all black or i'm in a bathing suit going to the pool or the beach so it's like really i'm I'm in a sweatshirt and leggings or i'm in a bathing suit there's no in between i'm not doing a lot of like cute fashion for summer listen i was talking to my therapist this morning and i think she has me convinced to put a pool in I don't know what witchcraft she were, but like we were talking about, you know, how emotional this week has been and, and tough stuff. And then like by the end of it, I'm like, we need a pool. <laughs> I told my husband, I'm like, he's like, how therapy go down? I'm like, I'm, it went great. We should get a pool. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know where this came from. She's secretly working for the pool. The local like, pool installer. 
<laughs> what if that's what her She's husband like, got you another one. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's been talking to my husband because he's been trying to convince me to put one in. And I'm like, Do you I I'm, not, I'm not mad at $20,000 yet. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not mad at Is that at how money. much it costs? Oh, it's got to be. I don't if know. If you would have said it costs $500,000, I would have been like, oh, yeah. Like, I had no, I have <laughs> I no know. range of I don't either. Reference. It's, it's a shot in the dark. I, it could be 50000 for all I know. I feel like it's got to be at least 20000 though. Right? Um, if you're a pool man, I have, if you're listening to, to this, email me. <laughs> An Intex pool. It's oh, like yeah, an above yeah. ground. Mm-hmm. It's 12 inches by 30 inches. And that doesn't sound big, but it's pretty good size. And, yeah. You mean um, 12 feet? 12 feet. What did I say? 12 inches. inches. What is this? A pool like, for ants? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that for a half a second. Okay. I got you. I got you. 12 feet by 30 inches. So it goes, you know, it's like up to two, yeah. just above your waist and then 12 feet long. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we got it mostly because Mackenzie, you know, like part, part of being a type one diabetic is you have to constantly be active yeah. or your blood sugar will run high. You have to be constantly active to keep your blood healthy. And she's with this core, like we're now, I mean, like this, yeah. I can't even believe this is, we're in four months of quarantine at this mm-hmm. point. And, um, her, you know, she just wants to sit around, like she's bored. She doesn't yeah. want to go hang out with her mom in the backyard she wants to play with her friends like she doesn't care yeah. doesn't how is she doing with the pool though is she does she like it or is that's it why like... we got that's why we got the pool okay you know it's like it's like for the first week it was the greatest thing like mm-hmm. couldn't get her out of it and yeah then it's just like a puppy <laughs> yeah <laughs> a week later you know she's she's like you have to like beg her to get into it oh so. no well how is it like at, you know i feel like it's a good trial to see if you want a pool this is you know like it's a good baby step to see like okay can i take care of it can i regulate the chlorine can we keep it clean like that kind of thing like are we able to do all of this and it's like oh okay we can maintain this so it's there to use but she yeah my husband um you know (laughs) he's in charge of maintaining the chlorine levels and changing the filter and stuff and i was shocked how much work went into this portable pool yeah, like yeah, he pulled it's out the a filter ton. after two weeks, and it was black. Oh. And I was like, "From what?" I know. Well, listen, we he's like, "I your daughter's been pissing and farting in it." <laughs> in his Irish accent, and I'm like, "She like neither one of us has gone in the pool. Like we're purposefully not going in the pool because yeah. um, when it becomes time, like for her friends, yeah, like, yeah. When, when it's open to play dates again, and we, we can yeah. feel safe doing that, we want to be able to say there's been no adults in this pool. It's only yeah, yeah. our daughter." Uh-huh. Yeah. So that her friends can go in it with her and feel kind of like, you know, safe. But yeah, yeah. I can't, couldn't believe just from my daughter alone, just the amount of just nastiness. That- <laughs> well, we got one of those um, blow up like jacuzzis. It was like 200 bucks or something from, from Walmart. And, and like we had it uh, like a couple weeks and my kids had gotten in it and they got like this all over rash from something like some kind of thing that was in it or whatever, like the chlorine was off or something. And I was like, well, that's it. I never got in it again. I was like, I'm not getting this. Like you're fucking crazy. And I was, and that's one of my big arguments with my husband. Like, I don't trust you to maintain this. Like you don't wipe the seat after you piss on it. Like, are you really going to maintain a fucking pool? Like I can't get you to take out the trash once a week, take it to the curb. Like, come on. I know. I kind of said the same thing to my husband. I was like, I don't, I said, when you go to the pool supply store, 
when you call them. Yeah. They're, doing, they're only doing curbside pickup right now uh-huh. for supplies. But I was like, just ask them. I was like, just for fun, ask them how much it costs for weekly maintenance. <laughs> because... <laughs> And just I don't to see, know. just to see what they say. Just, just for see. fun. If it's $15, <laughs> it might be worth it. Yeah. But uh, anyways, he's it doing okay this work Can I, all right. I have, um, I also have a, uh, a lady listener I need to give a shout out to while I'm thinking about it. Cause I, I want to, I don't want to forget her last name either. Her first name is Shire, S-H-I-R-E. By the way, I am going to use that in a book because it's the fucking cutest name ever. Is it Shire or Shiree? I don't know. I thought it was Shire. Like, we're going to the Shire. Like, uh, S-H-I-R-E. Shire. Yeah, I mean, Maybe I guess Shire. It's... Maybe it is Shire. Maybe it's Shire. If you're listening, I'm sorry. But we've become <laughs> best friends, by the way. We've become best friends. Okay. Because, so, um, somebody had posted up in headquarters last week that I had talked about Animal Crossing. That I'm super into it. So, the whole big thing in Animal Crossing is turnips. You, it's basically the stock market. You buy turnips on Sunday and then you sell them later in the week based on what the price is. You buy them for a set price and then the sale price goes up and down. It fluctuates all week. And so you always want to sell when it's a good high price. So I didn't realize on Sunday you have to buy turnips by noon. Otherwise, you don't get a chance to do it. And I had all this money saved up and I like fucking didn't realize it. And the turnip lady left. And so... um. I ended up, I uh, was like telling Shire, I was like, oh, fuck, like some, you know, somebody had posted about that in Animal Crossing and me and Shire got to be, you know, talking. And so we went to Messenger and just talked away from it about, you know, our islands and that kind of thing. And I was like, oh, my God, I fucked up. And she's like, hold on, I got you. So she found me somebody on West Coast time that the 12 o'clock cutoff hadn't happened. So I, she got me a code to go to that island on West Coast time so that I could buy my turnips because I fucked up and did it. It, it was, it was already past noon on East Coast time, but West Coast, it was still noon. Like I was still able to buy turnips. So I bought them. And then like two days later, she found me somebody that was selling them at like, like quadruple the price I paid for them. I ended up making almost six million bells off of these turnips. I like it. it, it I know this sound. I know none of this makes sense when I'm saying to you, but I just want to give a shout out to her because like she made my daughter scream. Like she was so fucking excited because we have all these bells to build all these things on our island now. Like we're so excited. Like my whole family was just like. Ah! Oh my gosh, well that's exciting. I know. I know, and then my daughter caught a great white shark, and then we all lost our shit. I was downstairs, uh, my daughter Lydia, the nine-year-old, she had, uh, we had just gotten up, it was in the morning, I was feeding them breakfast, like both my little girls were downstairs, and she was playing, and she caught it, and I just started screaming, we were high-fiving, and we were like, yeah! Because it's so rare, like it's such a rare thing to catch it. My husband comes running down the stairs, he's like, what happened? What happened? Who died? Like, and then I was like, we caught a great white. And he's like, fuck you, Leah. And like, (laughs) turns around, like walks that he was, he didn't talk to me for like five hours. He was so angry because he thought something tragic had happened. I was so excited and so happy. He thought something terrible had happened. I was like, didn't you hear me laughing? And he was like, no, I just heard you scream. And that's really unfair. Like, you know, you got me all worked up and I thought somebody had died. I, I know. I was like, really? God, I just got a great white. Not to be a downer, but literally every time my phone rings, I think someone's dead. 
lately. I swear, I'm like, what is this now? I know, right? <laughs> Quarantine is forever our PTSD. I know. Like, it's just like this is going to be it forever. I can't believe you're still four months on lockdown. We're my niece is here right now. I actually went and met my uh, my sister in law and my brother. They live in Asheville. And so we met halfway. It's a three-hour drive. So we both drove an hour and a half, and we met. And I took my niece with me and brought her here so that my kids have someone to play with. Because I was like, I have to work. You have to get out of my face. Like, I'm tired of being a cruise director. We did a uh, socially distanced play date kind of thing in the front yard at one of my friend's houses last week, or earlier this week. Like, three girls, everybody was wearing masks, and everybody Uh had to sit, like, 10 feet apart. Yeah. And it's crazy how, like, we were kind of like, they're never going to stay apart. This is never going to no. work. And then they did. Like, they oh, wow. orbited around each other. They didn't go near each other. They they ran around but didn't come within the six feet. It was kind of impressive, like, how quickly. And, I mean, kids are always so adaptable, but, like, you always underestimate them no matter what. And I was shocked how they just followed the rules. So you gave gonna, them a chance to be to, to prove you right. Like, that's good. Yeah. And so I think we're going to try to do that more. It's, it's, it is really getting, I think like we're going to have to start balancing safety and mental health because yeah, yeah, I think it's just, it's starting to get to the point where I feel like our mental health might be, being, we already talked about this last week, but yeah, being affected. Yeah. So um, I'm just trying to like nudge my friends and be like, we've not, none of us are uh, have been exposed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like we've all been inside our house for four months. Like this is insanity now. Like we can go to each other's houses. Come on. Well, I think we. I may have even said that. Like my a friend of mine. Right when it first happened, her um her family and then her husband's family all went in quarantine together. They all stockpiled for like a month's worth of the stuff, and nobody left the house. They live in the same neighborhood, so that they could they planned it so that they could quarantine together, so that their kids could come to and they switch houses. Like that group of kids just switch houses, and I'm like, thank God, like that was that was really smart. Yeah, that is really smart. Um, I'm just like, yeah, um, hoping that hoping that things can get to semi normal for the summer. You know, it's gonna be a long time otherwise. Well, you know, and I wondered too. You know, I I've been meaning to ask you, and I wonder, has this made you want to move somewhere less? populated like I've been wondering like with my with my friends that are in like densely populated areas has this made you want to like reconsider like where you live no no well that's good then um I was I did hear that a friend of mine said that they were um renting you they have RVs now that you can do like Airbnb with RVs and they're going on um a trip this summer so they don't have to stay in hotels or anything and they're Airbnb their RVs like throughout on the journey so that they have, they just stay in it. They have bathrooms and everything and they're going to different campsites and stuff. Yeah. That's pretty fun. That was a smart way to do it. I've been looking into renting a house through Airbnb just Mm -hmm. so we could have a change of scenery. Yeah. Like find a place that has like outdoor space and a pool. Mm -hmm. Like, so, yeah. But my issue is like, you can't really control like somebody just left the house the day before. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah. they've been in the pool water and the, the you yeah. know, they've been in the bathroom and mm-hmm. how clean are the surfaces and you yeah. can't, you can't really take that chance. So I keep looking and finding mm-hmm. places I like and then going, no. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So we are here. I should have said this much earlier. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I want to talk about Kayla. 
It's it, her week. Well, I'm it's so Katie. It's KD Robichaux week here yep. on the podcast. I'm the K read, stands for Kayla. The K stands for Kayla. <laughs> I'm going to read her bio. Okay, Katie Robichaux uh, wanted to be a romance author since the first time she picked up her mom's Sandra Brown books at the ripe old age of 12. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Wow. <laughs> Sandra, Sandra Brown was my first uh, Aww, ro- romance hi. when I was 14. She went to college to become a writer, but then married her very own alpha and had babies, putting her dream job on hold to raise her family as a stay-at-home mom who read entirely too much. She created a blog where she could keep her family and friends up to date on all the hottest reads. From there, by word of mouth, her blog took off, and she began using her hard-earned degree as a full-time editor. When her kids started school, and with the encouragement from her many author friends, she finally sat down and started working on her first series, The Blogger Diaries, her own real-life romance. She's now published more than 15 stories in many different genres. So welcome to the podcast. She is... You know Katie. Yes, she is the sweetest just she's so bubbly she's so fun like if you see her posts on social media like she's always so excited so over the top that is how she is in person she's just this tiny little ball of fireworks like i don't know how else to describe her she's just like hey how are you doing we're gonna go do this do you want to go do this we're gonna have fun today like she's just always on and it's it's adorable because she has such like energy and excitement, but it comes from such a, a happy, sweet place. Like she's just such an overly nice person that like I, that's why I just I enjoy her so much. I think she's so sweet. Like anytime I get to be around her, it's just a joy. So I'm super excited she finally did the podcast for us, and we just appreciate her bringing her book here this week. Yeah, she's been dying for this cover. <laughs> so, I think she's messaged all of us like 15 times. Like where is it? Oh, yeah. I know. It's cute, though. <laughs> she's so, no, she's adorable. She's so excited. She's just excited. I love that yeah. excitement. I love it. I think that's precious. It is. Moravian Rhapsody is the book that she brought us. It's about a girl who kind of like goes on a um, wanderlust journey. She's checking off her bucket list. She's going from Berlin to Prague. And she falls in love with the uh, violinist of a traditional Moravian band. So um, that sounds really amazing to me. Yep. <laughs> and I'm really excited to hear it. She, so there's a book called Before the Lie, which is kind of the part of, it's a part of, it's in the same world as the book we're going to play you. And it's free for the first time. So Before the Lie by K.D. Robichaux. And also um, there's a book uh, called The Blogger, oh, Blogger Diaries, which she talked about. It's about her very own real life romance with her husband. That's also free. So you can go check those out. She's, she's on Kindle Unlimited, right? Mel would know. Yep. This is why we we have Mel. This is why we have Mel. (laughs) Mel, is that on KU? (laughs) God damn it, Melissa. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and play the first uh, half, and we'll talk to you guys on the other side. Bye. Bye. This is Moravian Rhapsody by K.D. Robichaux. Read for you by Mackenzie Cartwright and Leo Barnabas. Chapter 1 Prague, Czech Republic, Dixie, nine days, nine days I've been on a miniature cruise ship floating down the beautiful Elbe River, traveling from Berlin, Germany, to Prague, Czech Republic. Each day we've stopped at a different small town along the way, 
learning the history of the place from tour guides who speak perfect English. Sounds super bougie, right? Potentially the most romantic trip ever, huh? Totally. Until one realizes I'm the only passenger under the age of 70 and taking this amazing vacation with my dad. Don't get me wrong, I love my dad. I go on a trip with him every year, since my mom has a fear of flying. He used to go on these adventures alone each summer, but then my mom told him, you know, Dennis, you have a daughter who'd probably love to see more of the world than just our little military town. Then behind his back, she begged, sweetheart, your father is blinder than a warthog and deafer than a skunk. I don't think that's how it goes, Ma, so I need you to start going with him on these yearly trips of his. Now don't you worry about the expenses. We'll pay for the travel part. You just save up for souvenirs, she finished. How could I possibly argue with that? I mean, I wouldn't have argued anyway. There were all sorts of places I wanted to see that I thought I'd never get to experience. But I'm just a bartender. A bartender at the most high-class BDSM club in the entire U.S., but alas, still a bartender. Club alias pays me ridiculously well, but not enough that I could afford to go on the adventures my dad takes. And I wouldn't go alone anyway. For the same reason, I'm just a bartender. My therapist, Dr. Walker, a.k.a. Doc, one of the co-owners of Club Alias, tells me I have a fear of failure. My question for him was, doesn't everyone? Apparently they do, just not to a debilitating degree like I do. I got myself a good old diagnosis of an anxiety disorder. Fun times. Rock on. But anywho, before this particular trip, Mom said something along the lines of, you'll be on a week and a half long trip on a small ship. Certainly there's a chance you might meet someone who sparked your interest. She wiggled her eyebrows at me, and I rolled my eyes at her. Oh, don't give me that look. Usually on these vacations, you're in a hotel and tour the city at your leisure. You're only back at your home base to sleep, you know. So there's no real time to meet and get to know anyone. I imagine this will be a little different. Obviously, my mom was also unaware that everyone else on the cruise would be triple my age, because I'm sure she wasn't referring to me finding a sugar daddy situation. No, my mom is a romantic at heart and wants me to meet and fall madly in love with someone who will ultimately take care of me while I take care of our 2.5 children. And while that doesn't sound half bad, the only men I really meet are the ones who come into Club Alias, let me tell you a little something about Club Alias. You have to be well off as hell to afford the membership fee, the five-figure membership fee. That means doctors, lawyers, super high-ranking members of the military, those kind of people. And those people aren't paying any damn attention to this small-town college dropout bartender. Yes, I get invited to participate in scenes, to help demonstrate a dom's skills with a bullwhip and such, but that's about as much physical affection as I get, and I'm lucky to even get that much. So here I am, at lunch on day nine. They've handed out these pieces of paper that show the different optional excursions we can choose from if we don't mind spending the extra money. And then I spot it. Okay, so here's the thing about my dad. God love him. 
He may go to all these incredible places, a modern-day explorer, but the man is the least adventurous person on the face of the planet when it comes to food. Every trip we take, he maps out where the nearest McDonald's, KFC, Pizza Hut, and other American fast food restaurants are. On this vacation, it's been a little different, since we're on our first river cruise and breakfast and dinner are provided. He just picks the closest thing to meat and potatoes as he can off the menu. I, on the other hand, inherited my mom's palate. I love trying new foods. I go on these trips like 87% for the food. Thankfully, my dad is considerate enough to grab his fast food to go and eats it wherever I want to try. On day one of this trip, when we landed in Berlin, he immediately wanted Pizza Hut. Like, seriously? I was in Germany for the first time ever. I wanted authentic-ass German food. Walking along the big city streets, which were exceptionally clean, with so much architecture and history to take in. On our way to the nearest Pizza Hut on the map, we came to this huge glass structure. Inside, it seemed to be a mall of some sort, with restaurants I couldn't help but eye. And that's when I saw it. A black chalkboard A-frame sign sat outside the outdoor seating, tables covered in red and white gingham tablecloths. The sign had a mini German flag on one side and an Italian one hanging on the other. I'd grabbed my dad before he could walk too far ahead of me. It was a German and Italian restaurant combined. How fucking perfect was that? After some pouting, on both my dad's and my end, he finally agreed to try the pizza there so I could get some genuine German food in. You know, Germany, imagine that. I did a happy dance when he admitted the pizza was da bomb. My beer worst and sauerkraut were exceptional. Back to the present. Geez, squirrel much? Paper with a list of excursions in hand. That's when I spot it. Dad? I elbow him next to me at the round dining table big enough to seat six people. He looks up from where he's smearing butter on a roll. What is it, honey? Check this out. I tell him, and begin to read straight from the description. A feast and a dance in a rustic court. Raise a glass to the vibrant and colorful traditions of Czech culture during a fun-filled evening of food, dance, and wine. In the Bohemian countryside, villagers once gathered to celebrate the harvest marriages and other events. Today, there is a village gala most every night at Prague's Chichovitskai Devur, or the court of the village of Chichovitsa. Travel to this rural setting for a unique opportunity to experience firsthand the traditions that have shaped Czech identity over the centuries. Settle into the rustic country hall as a lively ensemble of dancers, singers, and musicians in traditional dress regale you with songs that have endured for generations. Enjoy the strains of violins, a dulcimer, and other instruments during a typical Czech meal served family style. This uplifting evening of carefree entertainment captures the spirit of Bohemia and Moravia. You might even learn a traditional dance or two. I look up at him with pleading eyes. Please, can we do this? Czech food and folklore? This is the most me excursion ever created. He glances at the paper. It's nearly a hundred extra bucks for food I won't eat. He shakes his head. Sorry, babe, but that's a no from me. But you go on ahead. 
Just the thought of getting off the boat without him in a country I've never been before sends a wave of pure anxiousness through my every cell, and I immediately start vigorously shaking my head. No way, I can't go without you. And you know mom would kick your butt for sending me off on my own. Don't you remember London? He gives me a side eye, probably thinking about how I got lost on the underground train system for half a day. But before I can beg him further, Ronald from across the table speaks up. We're going on that one, sweetheart. You can tag along with us if you want. I perk up. I could handle that. We've spent the past week and a half eating nearly every meal with Ronald and his wife. The retired music teacher told the best stories every evening, and we became fast friends, even if there was a 40-year age difference. I give a determined nod. Sounds good, Mr. Ron, I tell him, trying to hide the nervousness in my voice. I can totally do this, I murmur to myself, grabbing my wallet out of my purse hanging on the back of my dining chair. With slightly trembling fingers, chanting inside my head that I'm a strong, independent, adventurous woman, I pull out five $20 bills and hand them to my dad. They're going to charge it to our cabin, which is on your credit card. So here's the cash for the excursion. He tucks it into his wallet, then pulls me to him to give me a quick kiss on the forehead. Proud of you, honey. Have fun. And remember, you'll be with a group of people you know, so there's nothing to be nervous about. I nod once again, reminding myself we'll probably get on a bus like we've been doing for the past nine days and travel to wherever this restaurant is, eat dinner, listen to the live music and stories, and then hop on the bus back to the boat. No chance for me to get lost. I'll be fine. I'll be totally fine. 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 I shut my rambling up with a bite of buttered roll and a sip of white wine. Chapter 2 Mikolas My back pressing to the brick wall of the restaurant, I look out over the green fields beyond our little village. Chichovitsa has been my home since I was born. There aren't many choices as far as jobs go. The people here are either farmers, run their own small businesses such as restaurants or shops, or they commute to the capital. I, on the other hand, chose a different course in life, a true bohemian. I'm an artist, a musician more specifically. I play the violin, classically trained at one of the universities not too far from home, in Prague. Yet, I stayed in my hometown in order to take care of my mom. She'd been sick, breast cancer, but is now five years in remission. She claims she doesn't need my help anymore, but this life has been all I've known. I'm equal parts restless to get out into the world to find my place in it, and stuck where I am, not knowing how to even start with such a task. I have a job I love playing the violin in a three-member band that entertains the tourists each night at the five-star restaurant in our village. Every night, I'm made to feel like a rock star, albeit my audience is usually the elderly on bucket list vacations. It brings me immeasurable joy to see the delight on their faces while I play them traditional Czech folk songs. But something is just... 
missing. I can't quite put my finger on it. Mom nags me constantly, telling me I need to explore the world and not come back until I've found a woman to introduce her. And while the thought of finding the girl made just for me is something I dream about nearly every night, it would take an adventure to find her, because I know for a fact she doesn't exist here in my village. The women here are a uh, closed-minded. They're uninterested and unopen to the things I desire. While I may be the artistic type, a classical musician who plays a less-than-masculine instrument such as the violin, my sexual tendencies are anything but mild. My instrument of choice might be the seemingly vanilla-stringed device, but I prefer the complete opposite when it comes to the bedroom. The things I learned at university in the capital of my country, big city experiences with big city women, were not things girls in my tiny village are accustomed to. And once I had a taste of the exotic flavors dominance and submission had to offer, <laughs> vanilla just didn't do anything for me any longer. Alas, that means I haven't been satisfied in quite some time, and probably won't be for a while if I don't figure out what I want to do with my life. If I don't figure out the next step of getting out of here, I need a push, a fucking shove in the right direction, because the fear that consumes me when I think about that first step being on the wrong path keeps me from making any type of move. The alarm on my Apple Watch goes off, letting me know it's almost showtime, and I hide it and my tattoos beneath the long sleeve of my costume. The tourists seem to prefer us to look like we're from another era, as if they're being transported in time. Understandable, since they're paying for an excursion that's supposed to immerse them in my country's customs and folklore while they feast on our traditional foods. My white dress shirt has a red, green, and gold pattern embroidered along the buttons halfway down one side and up the other, circling the neck of the short collar that stands up along my neck. I brush off the back of my black slacks and make sure there's no dust or grass dulling my impeccably shiny black dress shoes before heading inside the back door that enters into the kitchen of the restaurant. Ivana is inhaling a bowl of soup at the island in the center of the room, as she always does before she's about to sing for the next hour, claiming it helps her vocal cords. I can see that, but also the fact that it means she gets to eat dinner for free every night. I pat her on the shoulder as I pass by, going for my violin case in the corner of the room. Destined to make sure it's all in tune, and not that Georg, our dulcimer player, when he enters the kitchen followed by Timofey, our bassist. The three of us, plus Ivana, make up our Moravian folk group. Looks like a full house out there, Georg says. A cruise group? He slaps me on the shoulder. <laughs> Ready to give the old ladies of the night the vapors, young man? He laughs heartily, and I can't help but smile as I shake my head. They do leave the best tips. You're lucky we all agreed to split them or your ugly old ass would go home empty-handed. I poke him in his round belly and he swats at me. That may be true, but Ivana brings in a lot from the geezers as well. She's quite a beauty herself. 
but the women just can't seem to resist your tall, dark, and handsome looks, he tells me, pinching my cheek before giving me an affectionate pat in the same place. I allow it, but only because he's the closest thing I've ever had to a father figure. Well, everyone, break a leg, Timofey inserts, and we all line up at the door as Ivana struts past us, entering the dining room to introduce us. Chapter 3 Dixie Just as I hoped, we got off the boat and directly boarded a tour bus that drove us straight to the little village, letting us out right in front of the restaurant. No free time to roam and tour the area. In other words, no chance for me to get lost. The building we stood in front of was quaint but quite beautiful. It was beige with a brown roof and brown shuttered open windows, with window boxes full of flowers sitting on the window seals. Chichovitsky Dvor was painted in intricate calligraphy in black along the front wall, and I hurriedly snapped a selfie with it in the background as the tour guide herded us toward the front door. Ron waved at me over the crowd, and I scurried through everyone to stand next to him and his wife as we made our way inside. And when we stepped through the door, it was like stepping back in time. The room was lit with recessed lights along the walls made of stacked white stones larger than bricks, and the floor was wooden and worn, making a delightful hollow sound as we walked across it. There were three rows of long wooden tables nearly the length of the dining room, leaving only room at the front for a band set up and a small dance area. The seating was all benches nestled beneath the tables, and places were already set at each one, which brings us to the present and me trying to figure out where I'm supposed to go now. Sit wherever you'd like, calls a pretty woman in a long blue satin dress, her hair in cornrowed braids. She looks like she could be Maya Rudolph's long-lost twin, but her accent is heavily Slavic. I follow Ron's lead and sit across from him and Barbara, his wife, on the benches in the very center at the far end from where we were. Front row seat for the band, Ron says, a big smile on his round, jolly face. It's infectious, and it makes me excited for him, since I know he loves folk music. At one point during the trip, he'd taken the instrument right out of the accordion player's hands at dinner on the boat and really showed us how it was done. Everyone had clapped and cheered, including the accordion player, giving Ron a well-deserved moment in the spotlight as we all yelled, Encore! I glance at the instruments, not recognizing the one in the center. It almost looks like a piano that's been opened up with the sides and keys removed, leaving only the frame and the strings. A big double bass stands to the right of it. The woman sashays to the center of the floor, right in front of the unknown instrument, and introduces herself. My name is Ivana, and welcome to Chichovitsky Dvor, or the court of the village of Chichovitsa. I am your hostess for the night and singer for our house Moravian band. Please welcome the rest of my friends, Timofey. She gestures toward a door in the back of the room, and a short, stout man who looks to be in his early forties comes out, giving us a big smile and a wave as he makes his way to the bass. Our talented bass player. He plays a short little ditty on the bass, and everyone gives him a round of applause, Ron giving him a hearty whoop and making everyone chuckle. 
Next, please welcome Georg, our dulcimer player, she announces, again gesturing toward the door, and we all clap as an older man, probably in his 60s, walks out with a pleasant smile and sits behind the instrument I now know the name for. He picks up two sticks with little round pieces on the end, the same kind, it looks like, that percussionists use to play xylophones. He skillfully uses them to tap along the strings of the instrument, and the coolest sound fills the room as he plays us a short tune. Once more, we all give him an applause, following Ron's lead as he whistles his appreciation. Finally, the last member of our little troupe, please welcome Mikolas, our violinist. I'm taking a sip of the water already set at my spot at the table, when my eyes turn toward the door each member of the band has been coming out of. And when my gaze lands on the man who enters the dining room, everyone else and everything around us ceases to exist, including my ability to swallow properly. Somehow, I manage not to choke too badly on the water in my mouth, not enough to cause attention to focus on me, at least. And I watch as the man named Mikolas strolls toward his place at the left of the dulcimer, carrying a violin and bow beneath one arm and giving a small wave to the room. His semblance of a smile doesn't reach his eyes, but my God, he's the most handsome man I've ever seen in my life. He's taller than everyone else at the front of the room by nearly a foot, with tan skin, dark eyes, and black hair cut short but longer on top. He has a pronounced brow ridge with thick black eyebrows. He looks more Southern European, either Greek or Turkish, but when he speaks, his accent is purely Slavic. The deep tone goes straight to my pussy. Good evening, everyone, he says, and I don't even realize I let out a little whimper from the way his voice travels through me until his eyes land directly on mine at the sound. My eyes widen and I slap a hand over my mouth, and everyone around me chuckles. But I can't look away from the seemingly black irises that hold my blue ones captive. His brows lower, almost in confusion, as his gaze makes a slow path from the top of my dark ponytail down my black tank top and hot pink short shorts, along my bare legs, and finally to the hot pink tips of my toes, visible thanks to my simple black flip-flops I wore, since I didn't expect to do much walking for this excursion. It felt good to wear them after my poor feet have been encased in tennis shoes for the past week and a half, walking more than 10 miles a day on each tour. Now I feel super exposed, almost like he's undressing me with his eyes. And I don't hate it. I have to admit, I'm doing the same as well, visualizing what his biceps look like under the long-sleeved white shirt that's nearly bursting at the seams. The instrument he holds looks small beneath that huge muscle, and my heart gives a mighty thud against the wall of my chest as my eyes travel lower and see the shape of his bulge and powerful thighs encased in his fitted black dress pants. Dear God, this man is a violinist? He looks more like a fucking power lifter or something. I'm vaguely aware of Mr. Ron patting my hand, but I can't pull my eyes away from... What did the girl say his name is? Shit, I don't remember. I wasn't really paying attention, 
more excited about the food that should be coming out soon. Little did I know she'd be introducing the man who would now be the star of every fantasy I'll ever pleasure myself to from here on out. When I glance back up into those black irises surrounded by the longest, darkest eyelashes I've ever seen on a man, my lower lip finds residence between my teeth as I see the look of pure lust as he stares back at me. I don't know what he sees when he stares at me that way, but whatever it is, I hope I never do anything to erase it, because I could die happy with a man looking at me this way for the rest of my life. And without breaking the spell he's put me under, he lifts his violin to his shoulder and rests his chin on the edge, bringing the cream-colored hair of his bow to the wooden instrument's strings, and he begins to play. Chapter 4 Mikolas She's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in real life. Hell, she's even more gorgeous than the women I've seen on television and in magazines. When I heard her whimper of desire after I greeted the crowd and looked up, it was her chestnut hair that stood out to me at first, long, shiny, and dark among the sea of white and gray heads. Then, as my eyes lowered to her blue ones, her youth registered. That chocolatey hair didn't belong to a senior citizen with a bottle of dye. No, this woman was young, slightly younger than my 28 years, it looked like. What are you doing here, Alaska? Are you lost? I wonder. But as the old man across from her reaches out and pats her hand with a big smile on his face, I can tell she really is part of this group of cruisers. I take in the plumpness of her lips, the slight swell of her small breasts peeking above the V of her black tank top, down to pink shorts that make my cock jerk behind my zipper at how feminine they look on her long, lightly tan legs. Her toes are tipped in the same pink as her shorts, and I want to nibble the arches of her pretty feet. Ah, what the hell is wrong with me? I've never found feet pretty before, but hers look delicate, like the feet you see in advertisements, perfect like the rest of her. She must have some sort of flaw, certainly, but from this short distance away, a mere two and a half meters, I see not one. She pulls that plump bottom lip in between perfectly straight white teeth. Where are you from, my sweet? And without thinking, body on autopilot, I bring my violin into position and begin to play. Just for her. I'm vaguely aware of Georg and Tim joining in as I stare into her ocean eyes, watching them go half-mast while I serenade her with the haunting sound of my instrument I play, without even having to think about the notes. I've played them so many times it's like they come directly from my memory and out through my fingertips. 
only using their violin as a microphone for their heart-aching sound. When that song ends, I register Ivana's cue for the next one, this one a lively polka, and she introduces our traditional dancers, Tomas and Isa, my eye contact breaking with the beauty in front of me as their bodies move between us. I want to growl at them to get out of my way each time they block my view of her. But just when I'm about to cause a scene with my outburst, they twirl out of my line of sight. And there she is again, her eyes never leaving me. She doesn't watch the dancers. She doesn't watch Ivana singing in her lovely melodic voice. She doesn't even glance at the other two musicians or at the servers who come in and out of the dining room, placing her first course in front of her. She's as transfixed as I am, unable to look away from either my digits speedily playing along the fingerboard of my violin or my eyes. Her face flushes every time she meets my stare and she tries to focus her attention on my fingers but it's like she's drawn back to my face after too long of looking away. I can see her embarrassment in the way she blushes, the way she fidgets in her seat, the way she plays with the tips of her hair, which is pulled up out of her gorgeous face, yet hangs over her left shoulder. But at the same time, she seems to fight the awkwardness she might feel from my full-on eye-fucking her because she doesn't even bother with her food or water. She just keeps on watching me, no matter how uncomfortable she may feel. Honey, you gonna eat? The old man across the table asks her when we finish this song, and her attention snaps in his direction. Her mouth opens and closes like a fish out of water as she looks at her plate setting and then up to the man, shock clear in her features. And then I hear that sweet, sweet voice of hers for the first time, and it nearly brings me to my knees. Oh, I didn't even realize any food came yet. Y'all are right, Mr. Ron. This music is wonderful. She tells him, American. And not only American, but so very clearly from the southern part, distinct in her accent. I've always loved that role in movies. I want to hear her say more. But instead, she picks up her fork, looking down into her starter salad, poking at it a moment before her head turns slightly. Just enough, I'm sure, she catches me in her peripheral vision. Enough to see I'm still watching her like a predator tracking its prey. Now, ladies and gentlemen, your servers will come around and give you a choice of three entrees while you enjoy your coleslaw. While our chef is preparing your pick, you will also be served your second course, traditional Czech cabbage and spicy sausage soup. You may also pick what you'd like to drink. Your program includes one alcoholic beverage from the menu standing on your tables and one soft drink. You may purchase additional alcoholic drinks if you so choose. Ivana explains, and I see the man named Ron gesture toward the standing menu, allowing the dark-haired angel to look at it first. She picks it up, looking it over, 
her lips twisting while she obviously tries to decipher her choices. It takes everything in me not to walk up behind her, bend down over her shoulder to explain everything to her, whispering into her ear adorned with three tiny stones. I'd breathe in her scent, memorizing it. Would she smell sweet or like flowers? Finally, she shakes her head with a small smile, handing the menu across the table. No clue. You pick for me, Mr. Ron. You'd think I'd be good at this, being a bartender and all, but I'm just not a beer girl. I can't help but smile. Not a beer girl on a cruise through Germany and the Czech Republic? What the hell brought her here, then? And she's a bartender. I store that little tidbit in my mind, wanting to gather every fact I can learn about her. There's a couple wines here at the bottom if you're not feeling adventurous, but I thought you wanted to try authentic food and drinks, sweetheart. He gives her a challenging grin, and she blows out their breath, conceding. Fine, but still, will you pick for me? She replies, and my eyebrow lifts. Do I sense submission in her question? No, of course not. That's just my wishful thinking. She may look and sound like the woman of my dreams, but there's no way I could be so lucky as to... Go with this one, he tells her, turning the plastic sheet around and pointing at one of the drinks. She nods with another small smile and looks down into her salad before responding a quiet, thank you, sir. And I nearly dropped my brow. You all right, Nicholas? Georg murmurs behind me, apparently seeing me jerk at the girl's blatantly obvious show of obedience. Tim plays a quiet bass solo for background music, while the servers walk around the room taking orders. Otherwise, people would have to yell to hear over us if we all played. Yes, I mumble, watching closely as the server walks up to my woman. My woman. I don't even know her name, yet I already want to stake my claim on her. I take in every detail when it's her turn to order. She glances up at the waitress, almost shyly, pointing at the drink her companion. Uh, her friend? Relative? No, she wouldn't call a relative Mister, would she? It shows for her on the menu, trying to sound out the unfamiliar word, before giggling sweetly and apologizing. Everything about her seems sweet. Her voice, her laughter, her mannerisms. Her movements are graceful, almost as if she's practiced how to move her body. Maybe a background in ballet or etiquette. Or has she been trained to be a proper submissive, learned to place her hands just so? in order to entice her dominant? Hmm. My mind is a whirlwind of possibilities, dying to know everything about her, yet unable to walk up and talk to her. At least not yet. I'm in the middle of a show, but not only that. I'll be damned if I completely embarrass the poor girl in front of this whole room full of people. She's so obviously shy. 
Her face has turned the loveliest shade of pink when everyone laughed at the response to my greeting earlier. I wouldn't want her mortified by me stopping the entire show to walk over to her and demand her tell me everything about her. No, I'll bide my time. I'll do my best to entice her the way she unconsciously entices me without her even trying. The server asks her what she'd like as her main course, which she answers more readily, since that menu has an English translation. I'll have the country pork feast, please. That sounds amazing. She smiles up at her waitress, nodding at whatever she says. I'm no longer paying attention to anyone but the beauty only three paces away from where I stand, my body vibrating with anticipation, even as I try to appear relaxed as I lean my hip against Georg's dulcimer. Her smile is infectious, so much so, I feel the corners of my own lips tugging upwards as I take in the little lines at the outer corners of her mesmerizing eyes. I want to kiss them, tickle her with my lips to make her smile wider, bigger, until I hear that little giggle again. When the server walks away, my Alaska wiggles a little in her chair with excitement, making my cock swell thinking about her making that move while sitting on my lap. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to try this food. I don't know what the hell roulade is, but I am here for it. She collapses between each of her last three words and grins, and I grin, and Mr. Ron grins, and the woman next to him grins. Fuck, the whole room grins for all I know. But what I do know is her enthusiasm is downright delectable, and it makes me wonder if she fucks with just as much fervor. I groan, using my violin to block everyone's view as I adjust the steel rod in my dress pants. Fuck my life, I want this woman more than my next meal. No, fuck that. I want her to be my next meal. When everyone's order is taken, we're up for our next song. One most of the tourists know, and we encourage them to sing along and clap as we play. Those were the days. Ivana sings the English version of the song that originally began as a Russian romance song, Dragoy Jin. The song was made famous in the late 60s by the British singer Mary Hopkin, and is always a hit with the cruise crowd, since it was popular when most of them were in their teens or twenties. Still, I watch her. God, will I ever learn her name? Why has no one said it yet? They've only called her pet names, like Sweetheart or Dear or Honey. I want to know her name so I can shout it from the rooftops, letting everyone know what a goddess she is. I smile again, a real smile. I don't remember the last time I really smiled this much, but I can't help it while in her presence. She has no idea the words to this song, too young to know it from its popular time, but she claps along with everyone else, throwing her head back and laughing when her companion sings the lyrics at the top of his lungs in harmony. Huh, quite well, I notice. And when it comes to an end... Everyone breaks out in shouts and applause, excited they could join in since everything else is 
foreign to their ears. Now it's time to take our break, as everyone enjoys their second course. We'll return after their main dishes are served to get them relaxing background music so they can hold conversations if they want to. I wonder if I should approach or not. Ivana has announced our short intermission, so everyone has turned into their food and their people at their table. Not many would notice if I went up to talk to her now, not like if I had done it earlier. But no, I choose not to. I'll allow her to enjoy her meal. I know this show isn't cheap, and if she's a bartender, if American bartenders are anything like the ones here, then she lives on the generosity of others, relying on tips. I don't want to spoil this dinner for her, so I'll wait, biding my time a little longer. Chapter 5 Dixie The more the violinist smiles, the stronger I feel. I can finally meet his eyes while he plays without feeling my face flame. And I relax while everyone sings a song that's clearly an oldie, since my fellow cruisers know all the lyrics. I clap to the beat and laugh at everyone's joy, my heart picking up its pace as the music swirls around me. And when I look back at my musician, yes, he's mine now. I've claimed him in my mind, even if it will only ever be in my fantasies. He's got the most gorgeous grin across his handsome face. The singer, Ivana, tells us the band is going to take a break just as our soup is set in front of us. It smells heavenly as I close my eyes, inhaling deeply as the steam rises to meet my nostrils. When I open them again, the band walking to the door from where they first entered the dining room catches my attention. I see the violinist's gaze on me disappear just as he makes it through the doorway. If I were a braver woman, I'd follow him, catch up to him in order to introduce myself. But that is so not me. Not in a million years would I have the balls to do something like that. I'm a submissive through and through, and that would take way more dominance than I possess to do something so extroverted. So I enjoy the rest of my coleslaw, which is so fresh and crisp it puts every other coleslaw my home state of North Carolina has to shame, and my soup, which is a little spicy but definitely edible, and impatiently wait for the entertainment to return. I haven't tried the beer yet, but I've drank about three glasses of water trying to cool my mouth off from the hot sausage in the soup, and now I need to find the restroom stat. I'll be right back. I'm going to hurry to the bathroom so I don't miss the band, I tell Ron, before standing from my chair and looking around for anything that may look like a lady's room. Can I help you? Our server questions as I make my way toward the entrance of the restaurant. Could you tell me where the restroom is, please? I ask softly. Ah, oh, yes, darling, just right through there. She points at the door the band disappeared through, and my eyes widen. Oh, fucking hell. What if I pass by him on my way to pee? How embarrassing would that be? His first thought at seeing me heading to that door would be of me using what's behind it. Ugh. But alas, nature is screaming, and I can't hold it. Time to pull up my big girl panties, or down rather, and hope he's out back smoking or something. 
I turn my attention back to the waitress to tell her thank you, but she's already gone. Keeping my head down, I take a deep breath and hurry through the first doorway, glancing around quickly to spot which is the women's room, and when I make it inside without seeing my mystery man, I shut the door behind me and fall back against it, letting out the breath I was holding like an idiot. The fuck is wrong with me? I ask myself as I hastily use the restroom and wash my hands. I look at my reflection as I dry them using the air dryer that seems out of place in the otherwise old-fashioned restaurant. Grow the hell up, Fiona, I tell the girl in the mirror, recognizing just how ridiculous I'm being. He's looking at you like you're a snack and he's starving. He doesn't know a damn thing about you, doesn't know you're a hot mess express. Now go out there and pretend you've got the confidence of Miss Fucking Universe. Fake it till you make it, bitch. I give myself a nod, spin on my heels, my ponytail flying out behind me before landing over my shoulder, and I grasp hold of the door handle, yanking it open and running headfirst into a solid wall. A solid wall that smells deliciously male and feels uncannily like pectoral muscles as my forehead stays smashed against it, seeing as the wall must have somehow grown arms and have banded around me, one around the small of my back and the other around my shoulders, cradling me to it. Oh, God. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. What do I do? I can't breathe. I can't move. Frozen in complete mortification and not a small amount of arousal. I don't have to look up to see who I've run into. There's no one else in this entire building who even comes close to his height and build. And as his big rough hand moves up the bare skin of my upper back and neck before cupping my skull, I shiver in ecstasy when he takes hold of my ponytail and gently tugs downward, my face finally pulling out of his chest and tipping up to meet his dark irises. I whimper as the blackness of them swallows me whole, my thighs clenching together to soothe the ache that almost doubles me over. The need that hits me there is swift and ferocious like a punch, and I nearly swoon. I don't have much time, Moy Alaska, he murmurs, and the deep rumble of his tone vibrates me from head to toe. I swallow thickly, my breath coming out in shallow pants, has there ever been a sexier voice in the history of ever? The tone, the thick Slavic accent, everything about it makes me weak for him. He could ask me for anything right now, and I'd hand it over with no questions asked. Your name, my beauty, just give me your name, he demands. And I shiver once again in his hold, even though I'm the furthest thing from chilly as one could possibly be. I try to speak, but no sound comes out. Try as I might, I can't give him the one thing he's asking for. Some submissive I am. Come on, idiot, say it. One word, just one fucking word. Say it. I, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm Dixie, I tell him, and I sink a little, shaking my head. No, no, you dummy, tell him your real name. No, that's, that's not my name. My real name, I mean. We're up, Mikolas. 
A man's voice comes from behind his back, but I can't see anything besides him. He's too big. I can't even begin to see around him. He takes up everything, including my peripheral vision. All I see is him, Mikolas. And now I know his name, but he doesn't know mine. The one and only thing he asked for. I'm a failure. His black eyes dart back and forth as he looks into mine, appearing to see into my very soul. His voice comes again, quieter this time, so only I can hear. I will see you after the show, Laska. He lets go of my hair and trails a calloused fingertip along my jawline, making me tremble. I play only for you. And before I even understand what's happening, he's gone. I stand there, dumbfounded, my arms still up where they'd been pressed between us, where my palms rested on his thick abs I could feel through the linen of his dress shirt. All of this registers after the fact, after he's no longer standing in front of me. No one is, this room is empty, and I suddenly hear Ivana calling for everyone's attention. I snap into motion, hurrying back to my seat, but not before leaning in to whisper to our server, could you tell me what Moyalaska means? I'm sure I butcher it, because it doesn't sound nearly as beautiful as when he said it. Ah, that means my love, she tells me with a smile. The next thing I'm aware of, I'm back in my seat, my plate of food being placed in front of me. I have no idea how I got here. I'm sure I must have floated. But as the first notes of a hauntingly beautiful song start to play, my eyes turn to the devastatingly sexy violinist, and food is the last thing on my mind as I remember what Mikolas told me. I play only for you. It's only him playing, no backup. The first notes are slow, quiet, long and drawn out, making me hold my breath to be completely silent. Everyone around me seems to react the same way, leaning closer to Mikolas in anticipation. He makes the sound vibrate by wiggling his finger pressed to the strings, his eyes closed for once, seeming to be lost in the music. When he plays a higher note, one of his thick eyebrows lifts to match it before he plays an intricate stream of tones. It's breathtaking, wonderful, and unnerving all at the same time, somehow sending chills throughout my body. Every once in a while, the song seems familiar, but right when I think I've figured it out, the name of it right on the tip of my tongue, he backs off of the melody and falls into another riff that completely wows everyone in the room. Just him, the lone violin-playing rock star. And just when he's lulled me, totally spellbound me, hypnotized me with the sheer beauty of his impeccable talent, his eyes open once more and lock on mine. And he plays the next notes loud and clear, not leaving any question what the song is now that he's not disguising it behind his fancy finger work. Ava Nagila. And everyone around me recognizes it at the exact same moment I do. Aha, ringing out through the room, and a smile breaks out across my face as I lean back in my chair and begin to clap to his beat. I don't even realize I had the nerve to do such a thing until Ron, 
And then the rest of our table, and then the rest of the entire crowd starts clapping along with me, making me giggle as Mikolas gives me a sexy grin. Finally, the bass joins in, and then the dulcimer, and the room erupts in celebration, laughter and people singing if they know the Hebrew words. And with a flourish, when the song swells to a pulse-racing crescendo, Mikolas plays the final notes vigorously, his bow shooting into the air as the audience of senior citizens yells with their applause. My face hurts, I'm smiling so hard, and I take a moment to glance across the table at Mr. Ron, who looks like he's having the time of his life, before my gaze automatically finds Mikolas once again. We're back. Hello. Hello. We're here. Let's do this. Before the Lie is free. Uh, the first book in the Blogger Diaries trilogy is free. Uh, you definitely want to go check both of those out immediately. Uh, we're going to be back on Friday with more Moravian Rhapsody. In the meantime, um, go to readmeromance.com and enter to win signed paperbacks from Katie Robichaud. That's our giveaway this week. Yes, that's our giveaway. And I think that's pretty much it for now. Yeah, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. That really helps us out and helps us keep this going. Um, follow us on Instagram and join our Facebook group, Read, Read, Read Me Romance. Um, we newly added questions to join the group because the group's private. When you join the group, be sure and tell us how you found it. That's one of the questions is to how do you hear about Read Me Romance? And a lot of people say from the podcast, which I think is kind of cool. So if you join, let us know. So that's it. All right, Leah, tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. Bye. Read me romance, read, read me romance, read me romance, read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book, that's fine, or you could sit back, relax, and unwind and read me.